Hello, everyone, and welcome to the 11th episode of the Snakes on the Diamond podcast, hosted by yours truly and Wes Byer. How's it going, Michael? Good afternoon, I guess. Not good morning. Or whatever, when you're, if you're watching it, it doesn't really matter. Time is meaningless. Um, oh, yeah. Like and subscribe. Follow us on Twitter. Uh, smash that notification bell so you get the latest updates. Or just follow us on Twitter because we usually post our stuff on Twitter. You can find Michael at, at uh, Michael McDMLB. And you can find me at, at Byer Wesley. And of course, you can follow all of Michael's uh, content over at Inside the Dimebacks. Uh, it's good stuff. Him and Jack, and I forget new guy's name, are wonderful. Jake, Jake Oliver. Jake Oliver. Sorry, you Jake. On you do follow good stuff. On Twitter but, at, yeah. uh, at Darth Dbacks. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, at Darth Dbacks. He's a good follow. Um, it's good Let's reading some, you know, some new, new, fresh blood in, in the, uh, Diamondbacks coverage. So anyways, uh, so let's get right into in, it. So on inside Diamondbacks, we released an article, uh, Jake released an article about Luis Frias, which I joked was the, uh, kiss of death since we, every time we talk about relievers, he goes on a bad run. Although in the Gus case, it came later and it came like three weeks after the published article when it started to go bad. You but know, anyways, let's get yeah, McGuff is an interesting, I, I really don't know what to make of him at this point. I mean, he had a good, nice, successful start to the season where he performed better than expected. And now he's not someone you can rely on. Um, yeah. We'll talk about the, uh, bullpen in the second segment of the show where we talk about uh, how they could theoretically turn this around with 47 games to go. But first, uh, we're going to talk about last night's clunker of a baseball game. So the D-backs lost 2-0 to the Dodgers last night and set, in my opinion, the worst example of offensive futility on the season to date. So what did you think yeah, of watching was- well, see, I was trying to avoid talking about the game, even though, like, you know, we have to, but I guess I will. Uh, it is very, very dis- – I mean, Kelly was pitching quite well until he uh, left some cramping. Um, it's interesting that he did mention the heat, which I talked about before, so I find that validating. But it's uh, the fourth time we're shut out uh, in the last 28 games. They've yeah. – I mean, we're, we're below 500 now. Like, what is there to say about that other than uh, it's madding? It's, it's like maddening and it's frustrating and it's uh, really kills your enthusiasm. Yeah, since they got to uh, 50 and 34, they've gone 7 and 24. So 17 games under 500 in a th- basically a 30 game span, which is like really bad. Yeah. This is like 2004 bad. Yeah, that's how they've been playing. They've been playing like the worst Diamondbacks team that has ever been put on the field, excepting Randy Johnson. Yeah, I think Randy so, Johnson was the only reason they didn't go on super long losing streaks that year. Uh, if they did not have Randy Johnson on that team, they would have had the record for losses. 
I mean, putting anyone else on that team, it would have been the record for losses. But, yeah, this team doesn't have a Randy Johnson. Uh, Zach Allen has been very, uh, well, you know, he's been he's been very mortal recently. Well, no team and has, I, a, well, no no team team has, has a Randy Johnson. Randy Johnson type pitcher no longer exists. Yeah, I. It's someday there will be the reincarnation of Randy Johnson of some no, it's giant just the way guy who throws 105. It's just there's it's just just no there's just the way the game is played now. There's never going to be a guy that throws 270 innings. Ironically, enough, oh, yeah. Randy Johnson had more losses, one nothing losses in a year. They won 100 games than they lost 100 games. Yeah, that's uh kind of like yeah it's it's interesting the you know what we've seen from the innings throwers like when people attempt to be randy it, it's like led to injuries i mean alcantara's had a very disappointing year with miami at least initially it's been not the same guy i mean if you and it's usually it seems to be that there's some level of uh just it just wears on the arm um last getting back to last night's game just like seeing Perdomo bunt, like a double pl- bunt into a double play, it was probably the most deflating point in the entire game. Yeah, I'll let Tori talk about that in a bit. So uh, what happened there was Perdomo bunted with uh, runners at second, first and second, nobody out, bunted it. Caleb Ferguson made a diving catch on the ball off the mound and picked off Thomas, who was closer to third base than second base when the ball was caught. And then they easily doubled him off. And that was something that Tori Lavella was not happy about post-game. And when you do things like that, change. Perdomo was bunting because, yeah, I called that play. Um, and, you know, we, that's one of the things we got to get better at. We've been very good at getting bunts down, but the last 10 days, two weeks, we have not. It's cost us some games. So that's one area we got to tighten up. What was the thinking behind that? And then Tori also mentioned some base running mistakes by Thomas. He didn't see the ball down before going. Although, like I said, he's kind of in no man's land. That ball f- drops in, he's forced out of third base, and maybe there's a double play. Anyway, I don't know. It's just one of those cases where you just they're not executing on off they're not executing on offense in any way or shape. Whether it's a bat at bat or being asked to bunt, and that bunt was called from the dugout, from what Tori said last night. Uh, That's, uh, didn't execute a bunt. But not executing at bats, and it's and a little bit of bad luck sprinkled in as well. So I know there's a, a couple cases where D-backs have lost some runs because hard hit ball found glove, where it was Walker on Sunday and then Cattell Marte last night in the third inning. Yeah, it's they've they've really like a lot. It's it's on all levels. It's the offense has not only been like. Uh, frustrating in terms of like things like that of just being unlucky but just like the lack of execution i'm surprised that it was i mean i'm glad i guess that was called from the dugout it makes it a little uh less baffling if he'd like perdomo just decided to to bunt there um i'm still like really like that's i like my my response to that is that like blinking twice meme uh just like I don't even know, like that's so random that he called for it. Um, yeah, it's disappointing that you like Perdomo is actually a pretty good bunner. So, well, last uh, two it, bunts attempts notwithstanding. Yeah, not yeah, notwithstanding. This, this is like the worst bunting you'd think that he's never been. He's never bunted before. Just it's, from the I execution. Think, 
I think it's from a pressure situation. It's not necessarily that they're afraid of the pressure. I think it's a case where the pressure is causing them to, well, well, the pressure is pressing, pressing them and they're not, yeah, they're thinking they're trying to make too much happen as opposed to just executing the at bat one pitch at a time. Like, there was yeah, that. I mean, if that's the real, like, you have a really good point there, probably finish point, but the pressure that they're putting on themselves, it seems to be like they're in a bit of a, like, a, like the psych- psychological pressure that's like, okay, we're, you got, we're got to keep against the Dodgers. We got to get back to where we were. I'm sure, like, they, every single player on the team is, is kind of revisiting, you know, mentally what, what's not working versus what was working earlier in the year. And, like, if you don't, go about that in a productive way it's like that's kind of what happens is it just affects your performance it's like certainly the pressure is part of it so you kind of look at their current eight game losing streak only only one loss by more than two runs I'm talking about maybe like i said a, one ball finding a hole is a difference in a lot of these games like i said if walker's base hit comes through against minnesota they may be up six two instead of three two in the night could be up five two six two and ninth and then there's less pressure on Seawall to execute a pitch. Necessarily, the Twins would be more than one swing of the bat away from tying it. And it's a yeah. much different pro. And the first batter's not swinging for the... Maybe not le- as likely to swing for the fences. On a location yeah, where we're trying to get on. I think, you know, part of, like, you know... I'm not sure what the... Like I, I think like like even like Seawall, like there is that part of the pressure of like he's the new guy. He was acquired for three players. He has to you know perform immediately. Uh, tons of pressure there. I it's it's maybe they remember this is just a game. I mean I know they like get paid to do it, but it is just a game, and it's not you know I think they've been putting like they've gotten away from the the fun young team that we were seeing earlier this year that was performing, that was stealing phases and doing things the right way. And they've just put uh, a lot of pressure on themselves. Like, no, I think that's like their expectations. Like really their own, the team's own expectations were messed up uh, from how well they performed. So look, Lavelle has been saying all year, it's like, we're a good baseball team. That's the message that he wants his players to believe in. Cause you, when you're up there talking to the media, you know everything he says is going to be dissected. Yeah, absolutely. Ten times over. And you know the players are going to be listening. Whether it's turning the radio on on the drive to the ballpark, listen to, uh, if, well, whoever. I think it's most likely when the players show up, it's Wolf and Luke, but it's like media, obviously, on a 640 game, it's Burns and Gambo. But, uh, yeah, I'm sure that they, they all... Uh, dissect whatever's on the media and it does feedback to the players. Um, you know, I'm sure there's no way like you, I mean, so, on some level there's vanity too. Like you're going to Google yourself, you know, and, uh, and you know, I, it's bad advice. Don't Google yourself. Um, it's going to disappoint. I, I would, I, I don't really like, I don't know what's going to take for this team to, to turn it around. Like that's the real, I think a lot, I think it's all psychological at this point. I think it is or anything like that. I don't think there's anything physically wrong. I agree. It's more of a mental block. Maybe you go on like a short winning streak or something like that, where you play a couple clean games. It's like, oh, that's how we win. That's why I thought the first game of the San Francisco series was going to do. But then it was a 
it ultimately ended up proving to be a mirage as they've lost eight games since. I think, uh, you know, maybe if there's any physical component of it, it's hydration. Uh, drink some water, boys. Uh, Kelly, you know, like I said, he left having cramps. It is concerning that was the same leg that he had a blood clot in. Uh, I don't know if that's accurate information. Um, and then coming back from that, conditioning is going to be an issue anyway. Yeah. So, but it's been really hot. It's been very humid. Not much monsoon action. The 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 AC at Chase is not what it once was. Um, so no, the ballpark is pretty much a um, ballpark situation for the D-backs is pretty in pretty bad shape. Like Chase Field's yeah. coming apart, and then uh, they can't seem to work a deal to get a new ballpark location figured out, and it's. Almost, I don't want to say, I'm going to say this, it could turn into an Oakland situation if it continues to degrade. I mean, I think the best, the best thing that, and I think the most likely, you know, outcome is either there's a new stadium built downtown uh, that replaces, like replaces Chase eventually, or they build one in like uh, Salt River Flats uh, on reservation. I think that like this probably... Especially with with uh, Major League Baseball getting all cozy with with uh, betting, I don't see as much of a, an issue with that as there once was. Um, so I don't see them necessarily leaving Arizona. I mean, there, I mean, there is that is a concern. This ownership makes me think that they would try to you know play hardball, and they've already talked about it. But uh, where else do they move now? Or they move to Oakland, you know? Yeah. Um, what I'm saying is like. Oakland moved to, to Vegas, and that was the one where you threatened to move. I mean, Nashville is the one, but I think Nashville is, is a much Why smaller Ken- market than, than here. I don't think Ken Kendrick like, actually wants to leave Phoenix. No, I don't think he, he's very much like – I don't see him doing that. Why I would he, he wants to get he, a free stadium. He doesn't want to spend he, money on a stadium. That's what it is. Yeah, and then it's obviously in Arizona. It's the Coyote situation played out. It's like yeah, – I mean, they Maricopa, there was Maricopa a, County's leadership is very dysfunctional, and on one end, there, on some hand, it there the county really has not. Uh, done their job. They have not that. done their job. Chase very much is needed. Uh, you know, like they, uh, they, they should. They're, they're on some levels. It is on the county. It's not just on the team. I, I then, for once, I actually am going to like side with an ownership here and say that the. Uh, they've not followed through with parts of their agreement, and you know it's by all rights. I, uh, I mean, I don't know how long. How long does Chase's lease go? Like the twenty twenty seven season is what I remember. 20, yeah, that's what I thought. Twenty twenty seven. So they have like three years to figure that out, and uh, no, they got three years to have a stadium built. Yeah, have a stadium. Four years. Built. You have four. You have uh, four four years. years to build a stadium. I think they'll get it done. I don't really. I don't. It took really three years to build Chase Field. Get ready for opening day ninety eight. Um, go- it sounds like uh, there's an issue on your end. Yeah, your audio suddenly just kicked out. So I think we were what we were discussing was the topic of. Uh, Topic of getting that. Chase Field ready for 1998, and they started breaking ground, I think, in '95. So if they if they to get a stadium uh, ready for the 2028 yeah. season, you've got maybe 12 calendar months to get something going. 
Yeah, that's yeah. They really need they need to have like the construction and all that like done by the end of. Yeah, really. Yeah, it's twelve, twelve, a little more than twelve calendar months, right? Twenty twenty five would be the latest you can get it rolling. Modern construction techniques are really fast, though. So, um, yeah, uh, compared compared to nineteen ninety seven, you know, like you know, mid nineties, it'll be thirty they years. They do things a lot faster. Uh, yeah, it's but, thirty years from nineteen ninety seven. So I think it take half the time. So really, I think it's probably about two years to get get it done. I think it'll happen. No, I don't really. It, it would very. They could move to Tucson. I love that. It's not just also the uh, building a stadium. It's like building an entertainment district on top of that to because uh, that's something that's been a stickler for them and talk uh, stickler for the D backs and talks yeah. for a new stadium. And that's kind of like their best that's, to them. That's the best way they can try and make it more profitable on their end. And I think that's also a leverage point with negotiations as well. Well, of course it is. I mean, we're dealing with, billionaires who just you know want to do on the taxpayer time i mean there is some there barely is a billionaire some barely yeah i mean that's pre 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 pandemic uh i call him a billionaire but he's got plenty of money he wants to get the you know the taxpayer to put the bill you know i don't just i don't agree with that um i do think that if it's being used for other things and the county owns it then yeah the taxpayer should you know participate in that so it does actually bring money to the community uh, there have been successful. I mean, usually most, the most successful case, you, in my opinion, was Truist Park, and that's still costing what a taxpayer's fifteen dollars per person or something like that. One? Yeah, but I think it can be done. Like I think I think that we're in uh, like the, the I don't know about revitalizing downtown Phoenix. I haven't been up there in a while, but. Uh, that is in desperate need of happening if they want to do that. I don't know if really like doing it with the stadium is the way to do it. So um, getting back to, I don't know how things work. I don't know how this team is going to turn it around. I think the only real thing that they can do is hope that maybe having Gabriel Moreno coming back would turn the situation around. So on an update on Moreno, he is, and I'm going to share an article on it's a Dimex with Jack wrote about that yesterday. If I can get it, 500 up, uh, 500 download internet is not functioning like it should. <laughs> yeah. Right. Or starting, so, starting rehab in the complex. Yeah. That's what he wrote this morning. So let's build like it up. That's excellent news. All right, so here we go. From our fr- um, how do I get rid of the S- Exco player? Help! You have to scroll back up and X the corner of it. It's there just in go. the way as I scroll down. So here we go. So, like I said, July twenty third, but he's been pretty much hurt for the better part of a month and a half, uh, five weeks now. It's interesting that it coincides like perfectly f- with this this downs this like this. I I really think Gabriel Moreno might be the the missing piece, and hopefully he is because I mean since he's been uh, on the the injured list, it, like the, the team has not been you know what it was. So that's really what? encouraging news to see him uh, coming back and being close to returning. I wonder. I hope hopefully there's there you know 
he, he didn't really like quite show the 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 full potential of the hitter that uh, I would have liked to see. I do think that his presence in the clubhouse is a good thing. All right, and he's could and, like, be in the return- lineup. All right, so there's a possibility he could be back as early as Monday when they go to Colorado. That's a possibility. Although, wait, no, he'll be in Reno, so he'll be used to the altitude already. Because Reno plays at home next week. I mean, this week, so he'll be used to the altitude. Never mind. I was worried about a conditioning standpoint, but it's like he's already, he's already, he'll be already adjusted to it. Yeah, I think it's, it's, I think they're actually pretty close to the same elevation. You know, Denver and Denver's a little higher than, than Reno, but uh, it shouldn't be an issue for him. Yeah, kind of the thing with Moreno is like, I expect him to hit. Career-wise, I, I wouldn't be surprised if Bang average just finishes around 290. Maybe he won't hit for as much power as I hope he would, but guy hitting 6th or 7th that hits 290, with, and if you can get a league average walk rate, that's a really high. That's a that's like 30 points. You'd be 30 points above the average player in on-base ability while playing gold-glove catcher defense. His hit tool is much better than he has shown uh, in the major league so far. And I really, uh, I hope he, he can come back hot and inject this lineup with uh, the offense that it's like sorely lacking. Uh, some A more competent bat at behind the plate. Yeah, I think it's really, uh, you can, I think that might, it's one of the missing, you know, missing pieces over the last, you know, month is, I don't know. I really, I think that's really the point where the season uh, took a real downturn was when Moreno went on the, the DL. And then one thing I'm going to highlight here, catcher ERA, which of course is a very noisy stat. So very noisy stat in my opinion, because it can depending on the starts, unless it could be uh subjected to small sample size bias, but we're going to do it anyway. So catcher ERA of 422 is lower than Kelly or Jose Herrera. Comparatively speaking. Although I guess mm, that's interesting. That's very see their whole thing is is like that also I would imagine uh Herrera and Kelly's uh catcher ERA would be higher because they have taken the majority like obviously Jose the Herrera has been playing turn. Yeah, they've they've taken the majority of it. So yeah, they have he hasn't had any of this this losing streak and this, you know, reflecting in his catcher ERA. I do think this- that he's a much better game caller than Person Kelly. Jose Herrera, uh, I think, is maybe slightly worse, if not the same. Uh, so. um, personally, if you although it doesn't, me, it, doesn't like, it doesn't reflect at all though in the numbers. It could be, you know, like I said, it could be just luck more so than anything because um, Moreno's playing time has been cut down in July. Oh, that's the end of the article. But uh, you look at. Moreno, obviously, King Hemback's going to be huge because other three catchers, he's your starter moving forward. Like he's proven that he is good, good enough bat to, that the glove makes him a starter. And I think we'll pull up his uh, baseball reference stats because baseball reference is where you need to go for all your baseball stat needs. And if it's not there, go to StatCast. For when you need your exit velocity st- and measurements. 
So anyway, we're gonna pull up Moreno here and we're gonna blow it up. His numbers haven't really been I mean, I use the main reason I use I'll use fan graphs is for the WRC plus is one of the only like normalized statistics for the minor leagues that you can find. Well, the minor uh, leagues, but like the major that, leagues you have OPS plus. Although you could probably calculate OPS yeah. plus with uh baseball America park factors if it weren't paywalled. Yeah. We'll do that at some point when you uh like and subscribe and uh leave a donation on our subscriber Patreon. I have authorized the yeah. D and I'm going back on that. If we don't get to a thousand subs, the D backs will not win another game. I have told yeah. Tori Lavelle that, that to tank until we get a thousand subs. So do subs so the D backs can stop st- stop losing games. So anyway, going to Moreno. So you see an 86 OPS plus, which is more than fine for the position, even if you were an average defender. We go down to his uh, player value page. You can see from the position alone, he's getting four runs. Well, only losing five runs with the bat. So those two numbers would only average up to minus one, which is above average. Yeah. Which factor? And then you factor in the fact that he has 13 runs of fielding above average, despite Jack Sarkle being misnomered there. He put nine, but point is uh, 13 field runs above average as a catcher. And his uh, inability to stay out of double plays and base running, obviously, a r- run each. So that adds up to uh, 11 runs above average. And you'll gladly take that for a catcher. Like I said. Uh, He's comparing his numbers to. 11 runs above average. And then we factor in run- replacement runs. He is with uh, basically, we say about 60% of the catcher season workload, a two war guy. So you project four. Uh, You'd project Moreno to get 450. Hmm. Interesting. Uh, there's, there's some disagreement there between Fangraphs and uh, and uh, B-Ref. B-Ref has about a run, a run less valuable. So One run. Uh, oh, no. He's a 3.4 war catcher instead of a 3.5. Yeah. Extrapolate the 450 plate appearances. I think I mean they're they're really like he yeah, he really is a like his his value he provides on on the field and defense. Uh, he's I mean Jose Herrera is actually like pretty decent and uh, throwing he's out already ha- he's already having a uh, better D backs debut season than Carson Kelly, but obviously Kelly had yeah, the offense. Um, I think hopefully like that helps turn it around. Um, I I really don't know what else the team can do. All the all the other. Uh, solutions and in, in organization solutions that people talk about are really not realistic or not going to happen. Well, there's a domino effect. If you have better catching, better catching means better pitching, which means you're giving up yeah. fewer runs, which means more, yeah. uh, your offense feels more comfortable. It's like, okay, we only need to score four. We don't need to try and score six runs a game to win this thing. So they're not swinging yes, for the exactly. fences and then they do hit the home runs. There, yes, there is a domino effect, certainly. Um, and not just be. like having the hole in the lineup where it's like, you know, it's like this having someone like this is getting another hitter in the lineup that actually like knows what they're doing. And like at least, you know, on a day to day basis, I, I actually trust uh, Moreno as a hitter more than Carson Kelly or obviously, you know, 
than than Herrera. So I think that 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 may be what the team needs. I uh, this Padre series, I uh, like we like we're getting very close to the point of no return. They cannot so turn it around. Like it's still there's still a third of a season left. So if you want to look at OPS plus, obviously we listed Moreno at 86, Carson Kelly 46, Jose Herrera 62. But even with Jose Herrera, so you know what you're getting. It's pretty disappointing yeah, Jose, what's happened to Kelly. Jose gets a pass. Jose gets a pass. Uh, we know we know what we're getting out of him. If he can, hit, if he has it uh, like above average, uh. If he's capable of having above average seasons, he would be rated like Gabriel Moreno. But uh, it's really very clear from the beginning that he was more defense first catcher who, like, you know, like he's not a liability. Carson Kelly's been disappointing on both ends. Like his defense has been lacking. His game calling has been lacking some sense. Although, I mean, it's less, it's different. It's different than it was before. Like the, I feel the, like Jose the reputation of being a good defender is undeserved but that's my opinion at this point i i was gonna say he's not as as competent i, I think as, he's an average as his defender. reputation was yeah i I, like, I think he's, his ability to throw to his throwing skills are definitely very good like the throw he made last night was excellent he's gonna act he's got an accurate it strong was, arm it's an above average accurate arm it's not it's not a cannon although i think Herrera has a better arm than uh moreno yeah, I, I think Moreno has a more accurate arm. That's the main thing tonight. His pop-up time is better. So, yes, I think Herrera has coasted on his defense reputation uh, from the minor leagues. And uh, just, he's not, it doesn't, he doesn't, he doesn't live up to some of the scouting reports right when he was when he was younger. I don't think, well, Herrera gets the ball to second base in pretty good shape. Pop time, the second st- uh, on stat cast is 74th percentile. But his framing is rated in the third percentile, so I'm gonna look at his well, catching. Yeah. Uh, it, in terms of blocking, he's at zero runs, stealing plus one, career plus three, framing minus two, so he's at minus one. But you're talking about, I think the problem. It's always small sample size. I mean, catching, the thing with is, vary a lot from year to year, but uh, what's his career? Do they have career stats for that, or like? Yeah, his catcher season? defense is zero. So, like I said, that's why I said he's an average defender. When you yeah. it up, he's yeah, I, 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 his um. I was gonna say like his, he's uh. Are you finished? I was gonna say his best skill set is his uh ability to throw out runners. I would just say I probably I probably sound more optimistic when I talk about things like that, but yeah, I, he I what I meant is more like he's very much the prototypical backup catcher that you know is like competent. Competent does not mean that you're above average or uh, excellent or anything. It just means that you're good enough that you don't have to worry about it. I'm going to see if I can find catcher position for arm strength. It looks like I can't. So let's look at the... Uh, it may be under a different leaderboard. So once I find it, we'll get there. Catcher throwing maybe, perhaps? Yeah, probably. Arms... Nope. Not here. Oh, wait, yes, 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 we do. All right, so types catcher. Let's settle this. Uh, Who's best arm? Minimum stolen base, I'm going to put one. 
and then we'll put the Dimex on here. And then when we got that, we're going to blow this up a little bit and then we're going to put it on screen for everyone to see. So obviously Moreno leads the league in catchers caught stealing above average at plus seven. Actually, Carson Kelly is plus one. Hmm. And, uh, plus one Herrera plus two and caught stealing. So now let's bring that in. Oh, wrong page. But there's your OPS plus. So let's share this tab. So there you go. So you look at terms of raw arm strength. Moreno has the best arm, but their arm strength is roughly the same between the three. Well, Moreno has the best. Actually, that's surprisingly. Yeah, that's actually exactly what I thought. Moreno has the best pop time. Herrera is slightly worse. Uh, Team only. It's like. And then uh, Carson Kelly is a good. You know, that's that's actually much more significant a difference than you would think. The, the point, so point zero five between uh, Kelly and Moreno is the difference between being safe and not safe. Yeah, that's uh, kind of surprising. I think it speaks also to the fact that Moreno is simply the best defensive catcher on this team by a country mile. Yeah, absolutely. So I think that's that. You know, it's real hope. So you can actually not like a, just like a total. Uh, getting your hopes up, thinking that Gabriel Moreno will make a difference, but I do think that he will. Uh, like, I mean, it's not going to be much harder to provide better offense than, than Kelly or Herrera have. Um, but we are reaching the point of no return. Um, it's like 30 games. They don't have a winning record over the next 30 games. It's, they, there's no there's less than that. It's really like the next – if they have a, another – Seven game losing streak, season's done. I'm looking at the framing runs. Moreno's at minus three framing runs. I'm wondering if that's even a problem with the catchers because sometimes uh, framing can be an, uh, framing can be an issue if the pitchers can't execute their pitches. It makes it harder for the catcher to frame. Well, yeah, that seems very. I mean, if you take, you can't catch. Like catching is not uh, necessarily like it's not a position that like you pitcher and catcher are two like inextricably linked positions. Like you, if you have a really terrible pitcher, uh, I mean a really terrible ca- catcher with a great pitcher, uh, and he's you know passing balls. Uh, I mean this is terrible framing where he's actually costing you uh, strikes. Then like you can't you can't succeed in that situation. Must have seen like, so, like three, I mean, or f- three or four pitches that Jose Herrera had to reach across the plate to catch and that, that were strikes in the box, but obviously the box isn't hundred percent accurate that you see on TV. Yeah. Although these weren't necessarily board, what looked like borderline pitches and the umpire didn't call it a strike. And that's kind of where the pitcher didn't help his catcher out. Although it should have been a strike. And from what, uh, we'll talk about this, tomorrow we'll talk about more about this tomorrow when uh we discuss Bryce Jarvis because he actually said something interesting about that but uh when I interviewed him earlier today but when it came because I asked him about the automatic ball strikes versus and he said it's unlikely but the challenge system may be implemented in the future that's what he said I think that's I would love to see that I would love to see that 
I see uh, how it works. The, it's the a... talent, the talent system works great. Like in the TCL uh, fall league playoffs last year, like it, yeah, it works great. I love it. And it's, it's like very... you, you, the the whole system as designed is perfect. I mean, like the disruption time is like twenty seconds, twenty Not thirty even. seconds. Like, and plus, it adds a little bit of it adds. Uh, I think it adds more intrigue to the game because the fans are like, "Ooh, how close was this?" Yeah, it makes you pay attention. And of course, the, um, I, and then the, I think it should be implemented in the postseason. I think it's absolutely something like they they, you know, we've seen egregious calls uh, over the years. In all kinds of pretty settings. egregious calls and, over and the last two days. You well, okay. Yeah, I, I I'm just saying we've seen some egregious calls just in general uh, throughout baseball's history. Like we've, we've seen uh, the fact that you can't like, we have the technology, we can do it. If I, I shouldn't come down to some, you know, like, like it, it shouldn't, it should be like challengeable like anything else. And I like this is the fact that if you, if you're wrong and you're like, Oh, he, the umpire is right. You lose your challenge. And that's, it becomes a strategic component of the, of the like another strategic opponent of the game. And like you said, it grabs your attention. Um, I think that that extra 15, 20 seconds actually would be like really kind of make up for some of the, the tension that's, that's, you know, the tension building that's lost in uh, the pitch clock. Yeah. Kind of so, like the setting. Oh, each pitch is kind I'm of for it. Like, although I do think the pitch clock has been useful. I, I, in reality, I think just enforcing the rules would have been fine. Like pitch clock only with yeah. runners, with nobody on base, because the rule was twelve seconds. It's like set the pitch. Maybe they gravitate towards that, and you. I'm not sure what you do with runners on base. Like I said, there was no rule for that until this year. Yeah, it's uh, it's gonna be interesting to see. Like I hate seeing. Like I'm not opposed to seeing the game evolve. I think it's necessary, but um. Some of this is uh, like it's unusual, and we don't really know. Like this is gonna be the first playoffs with pitch clock in major league, so um, I'm interested. To, I'm interested in the postseason, regardless of the Diamondbacks make it, which they may not if they don't turn it around. And uh, like I don't realistically, how close are we to just like having to give up on the season? So we'll pull up the uh, standings. For the wild card here. So if you look at it here, you got Philadelphia, San Francisco, Miami holding three spots, Chicago and Cincinnati within spitting distance. Then you're starting to see some separation there, Dimebacks and their uh, not so great recent trend of play. Where you see one and nine in their last ten and losers of eight straight. Or still, like I said, if they can get off this streak and they go on a hot streak, maybe they can turn it around. But like I said, there's only 47 games left. And realistically, they're going to have to win 30 of them. So now we're talking well, almost two-thirds of your games at this point. And that's probably not realistic. Notice the difference between Arizona and San Diego in the, the wild card race. That's just two game, That's two games back from us. If we do not take this series against San Diego, we are like, I mean, that look at all the teams ahead of us. Then if they get, I don't swept, think they, they come will. back. They if get they swept, get swept by San Diego, they're done. Yeah. That's, that's now four and a half games back, possibly in the wild card race. I'll be at third wild card team is only three, four games over 500. 
and isn't and the Marlins aren't necessarily in great shape to hold on to it. And then I think Cincinnati's starting to fade a little bit. Chicago, who knows what they'll do? Like Chicago, I think has is in a stronger position to take the final wild card than Miami is at this point. Yeah, I agree. Can't have Miami in the in the playoffs as a wild card. Gotta gotta get them out of the the race. Uh, we all know how history's gone with that. But yeah. no, yeah, it's really that there's. I don't see how they can if they if they get swept in this series. That's uh, how long of a losing streak? Uh, that would, it says eight right there, so that would make it eleven. Eleven game the losing playoff, streak. You can't make the playoffs in eleven game losing streak unless you have one or multiple winning streaks of that long. Yeah. Or what They're was the 2017 team won what? 13 in a row? Something like that. Double check. Um, I think the Dodgers were swept twice during that run. Of course, the Dodgers weren't playing at full strength either. I think neither were the D-backs. Uh, yeah, it was a 13-game winning streak. Limited and Seager was out. I mean, really, that's what they're going to need to do if they want. They need to go on a very long winning streak. They need um, to go on a six, seven game winning streak to give themselves a chance because then when you have that, that shrinks your rest of the season. So then you're now, if you go on a seven game winning streak, that means the rest of the season you have to go 23 and 17, which is. So let's look at their chances so, for, uh, for this San Diego series. It's uh, to be decided. For the, can you pull up the? So I know it's like uh, they have Blake Snell going the first game, and then yeah, Rich Blake's... Hill, the second game. Yeah. So the Padres have announced. Uh, I've already announced Blake Snell, Rich Hill, lefties Blake Snell and Rich Hill for games one and two, and then I think game three was third game was Seth Lugo. D backs have not announced their rotation. It's like they're going to be starting another. Tough part of their schedule where they don't, I don't think they get an off day. They don't get an off day until the 23rd. So that is, so today's the next, so that's 13 games in a row for those. Asking. Yeah. So three against San Diego, four against Colorado, three more, four more against, sorry, no, four, three in San Diego, three in Colorado, four in San Diego, and two against Texas. So we'll show this here. That's a rough stretch. So they need to win all these games to realistically put themselves back in the wild card race because it would knock out uh, San Diego out of, the, out of their chances. Texas is a really good team. Um, Cincinnati yeah. is, a, is a is a good team too. Oh, Cincinnati's uh, lost it, two it, of their last has lost eight of their last ten. I mentioned oh, them fading okay. a bit. They've been faded. A, they faded a little bit. And then L.A., of course, uh, got to win them. Cincinnati is a team that will be 10 times more dangerous next season. Oh, yeah. I, I agree 100%. They're a team that's going to be very good. Uh, I expect them to look like the Orioles this year. Much of their core. Actually, that they are this year's Baltimore team. If I actually think last year's Orioles team is a pretty good comparison. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, last year's Orioles team, they should look like this year's Orioles team next year. Um, yeah. Is what I'm expecting out of the players that they've developed. Uh, San better, Diego is in a very actually, similar position than us. Like they, uh, they're on a rough, we're losing streak. Uh, 
Manny Machado had a team meeting after last night's game, uh, similar to when they had a team meeting last year on uh, after September 15th, and that's after when they went on a very long winning streak that propelled them into the no, playoffs. They just uh, it wasn't a long winning streak. They won the next three games of that series against the Diamondbacks. No, oh, yes, okay, that's right. Um, but they went eleven. They closed out the season eleven seven after that point. Which was better than their overall record, but not by much. So you want to, you really want to see like that they're in the same position as us. Uh, they probably those players probably have even more pressure on them because their payroll is like what twice the Diamondbacks or three times the Diamondbacks. They're I mean, in they have four the... players. They have they have four players that have the same payroll as the entire Diamondbacks. I was going to say in the case of the. Uh... Padres, I think they're what? They're in the top luxury tax bracket that teams want to be in before they pay even more penalties? Before uh, I think they, they start losing draft picks, I should say. I think they've already like in they've already gotten penalties on her. They're just like just outside of missing them. Um but you know, there's a lot of pressure on that San Diego team. And I think that it's you know, the the Diamondbacks need to remember that. Uh they you know they they're, they don't have the million-dollar contracts, multi-million-dollar contracts that some of the players on the Padres have, and they don't need to put as much pressure on themselves to to perform. You know, I think that they just really need to, like, this day off today. This day's a day off, right? Yeah, day's off for the D-backs. Yeah. I'm not sure about San Diego. Who cares? Yeah, no, exactly. <laughs> uh, yeah, who cares about that? But I'm saying with the Diamondbacks, they got a day off. Uh, hopefully this is like the, they need to take a nice mental reset and uh, uh, go about things, whatever, doing different. I don't even know. Uh, how do you like their chances against this Padres team? Uh, well, they scored. They had no problems hitting Rich Hill back last month, so I think they can get to him. Mm, their one win against San, and they did he beat can be very Lugo, he- but. Zach Gallon was the opposing starting pitcher, although that could play up again. Yeah, and then I think they're going to get. Not, I think uh, they're going to get. And then Blake Snell, for whatever reason, is able to prevent runs despite a walk rate of five over nine, despite a high walk rate. So, and the D-backs have had their struggles against left-handed oh. pitching. I mean, if they can just draw the walks, uh, you know, that's uh, just fine if they're good players that can steal faces. I mean, the Diamondbacks aren't capable of, like, you know, taking advantage of it. I mean, really, we need to see much more timely hitting. We need to see better base running. Fun. I mean, I know all the, all the cliches that people talk about with a losing team, that's what we need to see. I think it's a case of you know? getting back to the basics and just execute, just execute one pitch at a time kind of thing. Yeah. Like, they're, try- they're trying. Yeah, that's. To hit a three-run homer with nobody on base, basically, is what they're trying to do. It does feel like that's a very good analogy of what what the the mentality of this team right now looks like. Because, like, yeah, you got to take it. That's just like anything else. Like, you have to, you know, kind of live in the moment and focus on, you know, what you have to do in the present versus getting way ahead of yourself. And, you know, like, you're worrying about they're worrying about their playoff plans before they even were able to punch the ticket. So, um, or the that's kind of what the mentality of earlier this team is. So, 80%. yeah, um, I don't. I really like. I. I. They 
don't turn it around after this series and they, this is a losing series, then I am, I am speechless. Like, I don't really, uh, I don't know what to say. I think there's a lot going on with it, but hopefully like day off and then, you know, going, you know, get back to pitch by pitch. And you hopefully that'll do it. Um, a little bit of a breather against Colorado, although the Rockies and course field are certain. You can't really predict how that series goes. Yeah, the uh, Rockies are an unpredictable team. They could very easily, ugh. a team like that, that is terrible, can sneak up on you and wallop you for, you know, 10 runs and a couple innings. Especially if, since they're sandwiched between two San Diego series. Yeah. Like I said, I, the Padres are kind of like a team that loses six out of 10 constantly kind of team right now. Whereas D backs, obviously if they can get off this losing streak, I think kind of just take, hit the reset button mentally. I think then uh, yeah. perhaps they start, maybe they start um, and maybe start winning some games. Like I said, if the playoffs aren't likely, you want to see them above 500 and make, take that next step. Towards otherwise, uh, yeah, that's I, yeah, that's the minimum expectation at this point is they need to finish above 500. Okay, if they can finish above 500, it's the first step, and then next season they can build on that. I mean, if they get to the point of no return where it's like they, they're mathematically eliminated, uh, I think they would have a losing record, but uh, yeah, really, we, you want to see them get back to 500, win the next two games. Um, like that's that's I think the only thing they can really do. If you win the San Diego back, series, you're now at 59-59. Yeah. No, obviously, no. Um, that's really, like, that's what we're going to see. We need to see from them. So, um, I mean, they can put San Diego away for the rest of the season, too. So, if they take these the two series against them. Well, so their season's done. Their, their season's take this done one. if they don't beat the Diamondbacks. If they, yeah. If they take three of five, obviously, then that's... Uh, Two games they don't. It's three games closer to the end of their season. I I I could yeah. do anything. I mean that's how they really. That's take it game by game, pitch by pitch. Let's they need to focus on like I said, like they all they control their own destiny. All the teams that are ahead of them in the in the wild card, they, I think except I don't know if they have any games with Miami left. Um, no, they don't. They 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 have game they have games against so. Uh, barring a stretch where it's a team that doesn't, you know, that they've already finished their, their games against, uh, they control their own destiny. The team can turn it around. I know a lot of people are like pessimistic with this end of the world, you know, fire, fire Mike Hayes and fire Tori Lovello. I mean, uh, if this losing streak goes off. all the way I mean, through September, yes, you probably should press the nuke button. Yeah, you but, probably should. Yeah, you probably not, should. Um, it's August 10th, not October We're not there 2nd. yet. Yes, that's like that's like just giving up before you even have a reason to. This team can turn it around. Uh, the Padres are a team to do it against too. But if you don't Seriously, get past the Padres and you go into losing series, a losing series with the Rockies, and then you're defeated by the Rockies, I don't see how they're going to turn around from there because it's like even more deflating when you're the teams. Basically, the whole NLS is taking turns beating up the Diamondbacks. I mean, more or less, it's like if they can. If they get to sixty, if they were to continue this like bad run of games, they get to sixty-eight wins, and obviously, if this team finishes with seventy wins, it's like you're gonna see a regime change. But who knows what happens? Yeah, I think that for 
like like a, a successful season if they don't make the playoffs would be a 500. Like I mean, it's still even like looking at last year's team. This team is a better team. If they finish worse than last year's team, then yeah, they definitely need a regime change. If there's a 20 to 30 game improvement from last year, that's not good enough to make the playoffs, but it is an improvement. Uh, a 20 game improvement. Very con- oh wait, you're talking about last year. Never mind. Yeah, 20 game improvement from last year. Oh, from last year, that's 94 wins. And then it's like you forget. Yeah, it's like forget. That's which is mathematically impossible. Uh, close to mathematically impossible. So no, they they went. Diamondbacks had sixty four wins last season. What was their record? They were seventy four eighty eight last year. Sixty four wins would have resulted in two guys getting fired. Okay, so I would you want to see them win with more, like finish with more, like at least the same amount. Eight to ten, like more wins. It's really my point. Yeah, Yeah, like eight to ten more wins than last year. If they finish with last year's record, I would. I I don't think Hayes and Lavelle would survive the offseason. But I don't think they're going to finish that Yeah, I don't think they will. They'll get fired. It's worse. I mean, to to finish that bad, they would have to... I've been saying this for three weeks. It's like, get off this losing record, press the mental... It's like, if they can get off this stretch, who knows what happens. And if they can't, well, no amount of uh, moves they can make in the offseason will make them... Compete for 2024. But, uh, that's probably yeah, that's, a different that's topic. Really, yeah, the mentality day. needs to change by the team. So if they lose, if they lose, if they don't, wait, no, what was it? Like they, they only need 18 wins to to surpass last year's record. So that's the that's uh, you know, the the bare minimum of. You're basically, we were talking about earlier. They need thirty. They need to win thirty games. Of what's what's left at minimum? Thirty games to make the playoffs. Twenty four games to have a winning record. I mean, either, either way. I mean, that's that was a successful season to me. Is at least finishing with a winning record. I said they'd either uh, have eighty seven wins or eighty seven losses this year. Um, Twenty five. I'm thinking that I'm off. probably. That the, an 87 win team, uh, I, I thought that was my prediction, and, and I think they'll probably finish a couple of games over 500 if they turn around. Um, if they don't, like I said, like yeah, we're gonna see a regime change if they finish, you know, as bad as they did last year. Like, that's regression. You expect a better team than this. We'll uh, end it on that note. Like I said, uh, thanks everyone for watching. You can- if you enjoyed the show, please hit, please subscribe, leave a like, comment down below. If, but I think uh, this is obviously charge time to try and this is not the time to ask whether or not this team finishes with a 500 record. But uh, we'll see what it looks like in a week. Anyways, you can follow me on Twitter at Mike McDMLB. You can follow Wes on Twitter at Buyer Wesley. You can check out some of my uh, written articles at Fan Nation's Inside Diamondbacks, si.com slash MLB slash Diamondbacks is where you can go. And, uh, We'll be back tomorrow. We'll try and get things figured out. Try and have everything figured out for ten o'clock. Hopefully, and hopefully with more positive stuff. Yep. And yeah, back at ten o'clock. Probably talk about the Cy. We'll probably talk about the Cy Young race tomorrow. With Blake Snell, Zach Gallon likely to go this weekend. And yeah, we're, the, tomorrow's game as well. Like every, 
yeah, like any other, you know, Diamondbacks fan, it's uh, not much positive to talk about right now. But we'll uh, switch to other topics next time. And hey, don't forget to hit that notification bell so you get the news on our latest videos and know when we have uh, live streams coming up. I don't know if... All right.